This is Bishop Michael Curry, and you're listening to The Way of Love. In this episode, we're talking about the practice we call rest. Receive the gift of God's grace, peace, and restoration. Welcome back to The Way of Love, a podcast from the Episcopal Church about following Jesus and changing the world. In Season 2, we're talking about the way of love beyond the church walls. I'm Sandy Millien, and I'm here with Kyle Oliver. Thanks, Sandy. This final episode of Season 2 is about a special take on the practice rest. Our guest in the second half of the show is Nuria Love Parish, co-founder and executive director of Plainsong Farm and Ministry in Rockford, Michigan. But first, we have a conversation about the connections between the spiritual practice of rest and our responsibilities to care for God's creation. Let's go to Bishop Curry and his guest. Linnea Main, tell us who you are and what you do for a living. My name is Linnea Main, and I work uh, on your staff as the Episcopal Church's representative to the United Nations. Now, I suspect a lot of Episcopalians probably don't know that the Episcopal Church is actually involved in the United Nations. Tell us a bit about, about that. We go way back to the very beginning of mm-hmm. the United Nations. The Conference of San Francisco, where the United Nations Charter was signed, included uh, an opportunity to go to Grace Cathedral. If you go to Grace Cathedral, you can see the mural of the original meeting that founded the United Nations. Wow. We have many Episcopalians who have been at the United Nations. Uh-huh. One of them we um, know about is Eleanor Roosevelt, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we honor in our holy books right. and who was one of the founders and, and chairs and drafters of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So we have been there since the beginning. So I know one of the um, real concerns that gets addressed at the United Nations is around the whole question of climate change and the environment. Tell us a little bit about that. Climate change is something that we have picked up more recently, and there are a couple reasons. One of them is the Paris Agreement. Bishop Mark Andrus in the Diocese of California has been very instrumental and visionary Mm. in bringing us to the United Nations for that work. Mm. The goal is to keep us within a threshold of two degrees above pre-industrial levels in terms of global warming. Up to about two or three years ago, security issues, international development, human rights, really dominated the agenda at the United Nations. Beginning about, say, two or three years ago, I started to notice that at the absolutely highest levels, including the UN Secretary General, we were beginning to hear more and more that no issue is more important than climate change. Mm -hmm. Why? Because if we don't get this right, we won't have a planet. We're literally hearing Mm -hmm. that. So with that shooting to the top position of the UN agenda, and looking at the scientific data uh, and projections of what can happen if we don't address this immediately and urgently, mm-hmm. it meant naturally that we needed to rethink our own agenda as the Episcopal Church engaging with the UN. I see. It's easy to think of climate change as a wholly secular and scientific endeavor. And to be sure, it obviously is that. Uh, We've got to save the planet if we want to live. Mm -hmm. We're all in this together, like it or not. Um, And and so there is obviously the scientific concerns. That's what tells us what's going on. But there's another way to look at this, isn't there? I mean, I've, I've heard you talk about Sabbath. What's Sabbath got to do with environment? I thought Sabbath was just kind of doing nothing. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sounds pretty good. Yeah, well, that's not bad either. Right? That's a good thing. The, the way that we're going to address climate change, mm-hmm. there are several different ways that I'm sure are familiar to most of us, mitigation, adaptation. Mm-hmm. We need to reduce our carbon output, our mm-hmm. carbon footprints. Footprint. There are a number of different ways in which this can be done. Some of them are, have to do with policy. Some of them have to do with shifting patterns of industrial production. Some of them have to do with individual choices about what we do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to have to give up meat. That's one of my struggles. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to have to give up flying around the world. Nobody likes the thought of giving things mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. It gives the idea of a scarcity, austerity, recession, yeah. fasting. It doesn't sound like much fun. Yeah. But there's another way of looking at it. Many of us feel stressed because we're doing so much. We're mm-hmm. seeing so much. Mm-hmm. We're going here and there. We're overloaded. We're stressed. If we are reducing our consumption and our production, we're also reducing to some extent our level of of going here and there, of doing this and that, and it gives us time to rest. Okay. So, in fact, in reducing our consumption, we're, fi- we're finding we have more time. You know, Dr. King once said, and this is going back to the early 60s, he said, it's really amazing to me that we have labor-saving devices that don't seem to actually save labor. No. <laughs> it may be more complicated and increase the stress and the work. That's right. So, so that the Sabbath rest. There's a gift there. There's a gift there. In the same way that when we fast, we're drawing closer to God mm-hmm. by giving something up. So yes, it involves some hardship. But at the same time, realizing our dependency mm-hmm. on whatever it is that we feel is so important that we're missing it when we give it up. Mm-hmm. That dependency calls us to mind that we really depend on God. And so that the notion of Sabbath is actually, Sabbath is simple. Yes. It's actually simple living. Yes, and part of the design. Part of God's design, as we know in the Bible, the references to how the land itself needs a day of rest that the crops cannot continue to be produced, that we need a a year for land to be fallow, for example. That whole concept of a seventh day, if we look at our need to reduce our consumption in those ways, it doesn't feel so much as what we're missing out or what we're losing, but rather what we're gaining. The simple living is actually closer to the divine design, Mm -hmm. which is closer to who we really are and, and are meant, meant to, to be. be. And the closer you get to that is the key to real happiness. Mm. Think about a time in your life when letting something go felt like a gift rather than a loss. What are some ways you can find new life in God's call to live simply?
Well, we're back, and now we're going to go a little deeper into these connections by speaking with someone whose ministry practice is very connected to the land and to Sabbath. Here's Sandy. For today's episode, we welcome our guest, Nuria Love Parish. Welcome to The Way of Love, Nuria. Can you begin by introducing yourself and where you're from? I'm Nuria Love Parish. I am from Greater Grand Rapids, Michigan. Well, it's good to have you with us, Nuria. You're a priest and you started a farm. And <laughs> we better start with the story of, of how that happened. I was originally born and raised in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm. And as a child in Las Vegas, I started to have questions about how human beings lived in relationship with the rest of nature. I wasn't a Christian. I actually had no religious background, but I had a lot of questions. I had bigger questions than I was. Questions about why was there grass in my front yard in the midst of desert when I was still a pretty young person. And I traced the beginning of Plainsong Farm back to those big questions about how do human beings live on the earth and how can we live in our places in a way that gives honor to the ecology and the human stories that have preceded us and that we need to find our way through. The farm is really a place where we explore those questions. We seek to reveal the connectedness between Christianity and the care of creation. I started a farm because I think only on a farm was it going to be possible to wrestle with those big questions about how human beings relate to the rest of creation and how can healing happen for us and for the planet we live on. When you get to the farm, it just looks like a farm. The fields for vegetables are to your left. This year, we didn't have livestock, but when we had livestock last year, the chickens are kind of in front of you and the pigs were to the back. When you dig a little bit deeper, you notice that we're doing things like holding worship on Sunday evenings and calling it Sabbath at the farm and gathering outside to pray. When you dig a little bit deeper, you notice the young adult fellows that are there on the farm with us this season have a rhythm of life that begins with morning prayer and continues with field work and continues with study and individualized projects and is inspired by the rule of St. Benedict. But when you first get there, it just looks like a farm. I'm interested to hear more about the Sabbath at the farm. What spiritual needs does an offering like that meet for the people who participate? You know, I'm a priest of the Episcopal Church. 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, I do straight up Book of Common Prayer worship. 4.30 on Sunday evening, I do all ages activity-centered prayer and scripture reflection. We start with a gathering song. It's a song that my co-founders, Mike and Bethany Edwardson, wrote, and it's short and simple and gets us into a space that we recognize as sacred space, even though we're outside in a circle next to a really old barn, and it could be a picnic, but over our heads is a big old tree and under our feet is grass and earth. And that's the setting where we always then explore a piece of scripture Usually we explore it in two ways. We have uh, an all ages activity, something that anyone can find a connection to the scripture reading through and a really short teaching and some kind of questions for reflection that we then talk about in the circle. Then we pray. We pray 
the prayers that are on people's hearts. We pray the prayer of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer. And then we transition to a potluck meal. It has surprised me the hunger for worship outdoors. Hmm. Even though, you know, nature for us, it's right next to a house. It's right next to a barn. It isn't wilderness, but it's outside and it's peaceful. I often feel as somebody who is used to leading worship in a lot of contexts, I feel like at the farm, the space does the work of putting people in a reverent place in a way that I can't even explain. We often think of resting as an individual practice. I wonder how that experience of resting has been in a community. That's a great question, especially because the people that I rest with at Sabbath at the farm are the same people that I work with Mm -hmm. during Mm -hmm. the week. We began it because we needed it. Starting a new organization, starting a new ministry, starting a new farm. We realized after year one, when we had just done work, that if we didn't come together in worship and in rest, we might not sustain. We also realized that there were people who wanted to connect with this this ministry through exploring what would worship look like on a farm. We wanted to make a space for that, but really we began it because we felt like it was essential for us. Is there something that this ministry and this site is teaching you about rest? When I think about the biblical narrative and Sabbath, the first story that comes to mind is the first story in the Bible. Mm which I was taught in seminary, the seven days of creation. It's not a literal scientific explanation for how the world came to be. It's a story of meaning and metaphor that has as its summit the Sabbath experience and that it was so essential that it was woven into the very beginnings of all life on earth, that life on earth was not possible without the incorporation of Sabbath rest. Moving past that Genesis story into the Sabbath commandments from the Hebrew scriptures, I think it is fascinating that there are two different versions of those, what we colloquially call the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And so two different times the Sabbath is pointed out. And there's two different reasons given in the Bible for why the Sabbath matters. Mm -hmm. One of them is the one that we read in Exodus, which is that story I already referenced, the Genesis story. God made the world in six days. He rested on the seventh day. You are also to rest. Mm -hmm. But then in the Deuteronomy version of the same Ten Commandments, the reason is different. Mm -hmm. In Deuteronomy, the reason that you have to observe the Sabbath is you have to remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of slavery into freedom and commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So the idea, and I am not good at this, but the idea is that you aren't slaves to any human being, including your own self and your own to-do list and your own like monumental mountain that you may be trying to climb. The Sabbath commandment reminds me that God does not measure my worth by my accomplishments. If God did, God would have me going seven days. And that's slavery in Egypt, right? That's not servanthood with God. You are a child of God and God loves you and God wants what is best for you. And what is best for you is to have regular rhythms of rest. 
Well, that wraps it up for another season of the Way of Love podcast, and we really hope you'll join us in early 2020 for season three. This season will be all about what it's like to live this rule of life in small groups and community settings. Until then, please continue telling people about your favorite episodes of the show. Please be sure to check back every other week or so for more bonus episodes between seasons. And if you'll be at the Rooted in Jesus conference, January 21st to the 24th in Atlanta, stay tuned for an announcement about a special live episode we'll be recording at that event. This episode was produced by Kyle Oliver and me, Sandy Miglien, and was edited by Kyle. Our theme and reflection music is by Ana Hernandez. Jerusalem Gear writes our reflection guides. Chris Sigma writes our show notes. Our website is by Caleb Heitzman at wayoflove.episcopalchurch.org. Learn more about Plainsong Farm at plainsongfarm.com. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd especially love it if you rate and review it or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contribute music, a prayer, or feedback, write us at wayoflove at episcopalchurch.org. See you in a couple months. This is Susan Hahn from Alexandria, Virginia. Almighty God, whose loving hand has given us all that we possess, grant us grace that we may honor you with our substance and remembering the account which we must one day give may be faithful stewards of your bounty. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. The way of Jesus is the way of love, and the way of love can change the world. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.ec lovealways.